Hey, it's Deuce. What a win for the Kings in Minnesota. Before we get started, can I ask you a favor? You're listening on your phone right now, probably. Do me a favor. If you're on Spotify, give us a five-star review. Same thing on the Apple Podcast Store. All it does is help us grow this podcast and get it to new heights. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Deuce and Mo. Let's start the show. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. The podcast that you know. Welcome into the Deuce and Mo podcast, recording this on a Friday night after the Sacramento Kings playing their second game in a row without De'Aaron Fox in a game after getting smacked around by the Denver Nuggets. We're in Minnesota tonight to take on the team with the best record in the Western Conference. A team that coming into tonight was 22-6 and six on the home floor, number one in almost every major defensive category. How were the Kings able to do anything against them? How? Oh, it was a total team effort. They played mm-hmm. physical. They played tough without De'Aaron Fox. Got some help when Anthony Edwards left the game at halftime due to personal reasons, but this game ended up going to overtime. Sabonis fouls out with 3.58 to go in the overtime session, but Malik Monk takes over. He had 39 points, 35 in the second half in overtime, mm. and the Kings win for the second time this year in Minnesota, 124-120. to 120. This podcast is presented by our friends over at Northwest Exteriors. Check out northwestexteriors.com. I'm Deuce Mason. That's Morgan Reagan. How you doing on this Friday night? Fantastic. I love... Well, I always say this. I love Friday night hoops. I love Friday night hoops. I don't know. Even though, I mean, it's like we work tomorrow. We have a Stockton Kings game tomorrow that we will be calling. We work tomorrow. But there's something about Friday night that makes me feel like, yeah, we can start. And then when you get a win on a Friday night, it just feels a little bit bigger. And tonight, it even felt bigger because De'Aaron Fox was not playing in this game. And it's always like, how can you rally around and find a way to get a win? I just... I believe in this team. I believe in them being um, a good enough team. They're well coached, all the things, and they showed that tonight. It was just a big time win from this group. And it sounds like this Kings team had to be real honest with each other after that loss to Denver Malik Monk, telling Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee that they had a players only meeting kind of calling each other out, saying they have to be better, Love that it. they have to play more physical. They can't be allowing these crazy runs that we've seen in games. And did they respond tonight in such a big way? The Kings made a change to the starting lineup. A game after starting Davion Mitchell, they started Keon Ellis, and that group got off to a hot start in the first quarter to set the tone for Sacramento. Kings led 15-2. to Now Minnesota, of course, got back in the game, but the Kings after one. Led 30 to 22. They did a fantastic job defensively, holding Minnesota 38% shooting. And it got started because how they were doing it defensively. Yeah. I, I mean, one, having that 30 point first quarter for the Sacramento Kings, it looked fantastic. But it's exactly what you said the way that they were locked in on the defensive end. They were contesting shots of, for Minnesota, they were pushing them out of the paint. And on top of all that, they were making life just so much harder to even get a shot off. I mean, the amount of deflections, hands up in the passing lanes, um, Keon Ellis out there right away early getting steals and knocking the ball away, not allowing them to get a pass off to anyone. It was just beautiful basketball from the Sacramento Kings. They 
they set the tone early, but then what the greatest part was, Deuce, they kept it going throughout this game. And that is something that we've been talking about for so long is, hey, they have a good first quarter. Oh, how did they let that go tonight? They started off strong, and it continued. And Malik was just special. There was, like, so much to go over with this game. Yes. From the good, the ugly was the officiating tonight. My goodness. We have to talk about that. And Both sides. Jaden McDaniels with some interesting post-game comments about the Sacramento Kings that we should talk about, too. Hmm. Where do we start? We start with the start. You know, I want to start there, actually. With the start, yeah. Uh, no, I want to start oh. with two guys. <laughs> Davion Mitchell and Keon Ellis tonight. Oh, I like that you're starting with this. Davion got the start against Denver. That game was ugly, didn't go well. So tonight they decided to put Keon Ellis in there. Keon Ellis, who hasn't really played at all lately, right? Yeah. He got in against Denver, but he has not been doing anything but collecting DNPs. He comes in, in the start, it immediately makes an impact. Stripped Gobert, I think it was. Then he had another steal. Active hands, good ball pressure. I thought he did a fantastic job making sure to come in and have an impact. It's staying ready. And it's a huge credit to Keon Ellis for being ready. It's like, hey, you go from not playing mm -hmm. to welcome to the starting lineup. You're taking on the Minnesota T-Wolves. Get in there, kid. Do what you got to do. Playing the best defensive team. One of the best defensive teams in the league. Yeah. And then on top of that, you're looking at a team that you know has size, that has length, that can go downhill, that has a vet in Mike Conley, that had Ant playing in that first half. Well, what do they do? They slowed down Ant in that first half. They did such a great job of just rotating over the right way, but Keon Ellis, it was what he did from the start with getting his hands in the passing lane and getting those steals. He finished with how many steals? Four steals yep. on the night, one block, but I believe he had two of those early on where it was just the activity with his arms, his hands, keeping his arms up. It's just not easy to do. And just understanding what had to be done early. And like you said, after all the DMPs, how you make that mental shift and how you stay ready, shit. I don't know, but you got to give love and credit to the coaching staff also doing a good job of just making everyone feel just as important no matter what your role is, whether it's coming off the bench, never playing, and then you're getting shoved in the starting lineup. And Keon Ellis really showed that tonight. I think he's earned some more minutes going forward. He's got size. He has active hands. Well, I think it's the size thing because when we look at this over Davion Mitchell, you know, you look at an undersized guard and Davion, and sometimes you go, man, you have to, you almost can't make any mistakes if you're Davion because you already don't have the size advantage. Well, Davion came in and had a big game, especially offensively, 16 points for this team. Um, but I thought he just did a great job of remaining remaining aggressive, and that was pushing the pace. No Davion or no De'Aaron Fox, no problem. It was, hey, we got to keep the same identity, and that is keeping the ball going fast up the court. It was one of my biggest concerns going into tonight. Because when the Kings won in Minnesota earlier this year in that in-season tournament game, Keegan had play in that game. But what Sacramento did was make sure to push the pace. And yes, Minnesota is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. But Minnesota wants to get you. They want to slow the game down. Yeah. They want to get you in the half court. They play big like they did tonight. Had some success against Sacramento late playing bigger. But they want to slow the game down. Tonight, to your point, Davion Mitchell, even off makes was pushing up the floor. Sabonis was on the guards to keep it moving. 
because they failed to do that in that Denver game. Yep. They slowed it down too much, it, it, or they took quick shots. It was a fantastic bounce-back effort from Davion Mitchell. The 16 points is awesome. Mm-hmm. That was great, but it was the aggressiveness he was playing with. And that's, to me, what set the tone for Sacramento tonight was how they came out and attacked. Yes, they made some plays defensively, but on the other end, they attacked. They did not settle. This Minnesota team, like we said, can lock you down. They do a great job protecting the paint. How many times do we see Sabonis be aggressive inside the paint? Keegan Murray taking it to the rack yeah. a couple of times tonight. In fact, once beating Jaden McDaniels off the dribble with a jam. I loved how physical they played. That's probably the most impressive thing about them in their two games in Minnesota this year. They were the aggressor. They punched first, and it's a big reason why they won this game tonight. Absolutely. it's it, Yes, it's not only, though, that they punched first. It's like they understood that if they made that first punch, they couldn't stop punching. And I loved it because it did help deflate the Minnesota Timberwolves just a little bit. You know, Chris Finch was talking after this game in his postgame presser about, like, we weren't getting the 50-50 balls. Like, we weren't going for them. We weren't going that extra mile to go for the 50-50 balls. And I think the Kings mentality was, like, we understand that we might not have all the individual talent in the world as some other teams might have in this league, but together we can create such beautiful winning basketball. And that is what you saw. And that's what they did in the first game in Minnesota this Mm -hmm. year. They got, they won the second chance point battle. They out rebounded them. They pushed the pace tonight. It was the same thing. And it's almost jaw dropping. Some of the numbers they had points in the paint tonight. Oh, yeah. Sacramento had 68, outscored Minnesota 68 to 54. Minnesota had some success late going bigger. That was obviously an advantage. But let me emphasize that. 68 points in the paint. Minnesota, on the season, allows the second fewest points in the paint at 44. So Sacramento got them there. Minnesota's a very good rebounding team. Sacramento out-rebounded them by one, 45-44. Mm-hmm. But the most telling number was the offensive rebounds tonight for Sacramento. They had 14 offensive rebounds that turned into 20 second-chance points. Well, what do you know? Sacramento got 100 field goal attempts tonight. Minnesota had 85. That's how you end up finding a way to win the game, getting those extra opportunities Mm -hmm. and making the most out of them. And then the fast-break points. What do we say? Pushing the pace. 19 nothing Kings and fast break points. They pushed the pace. They were aggressive. They got the 50-50 balls. It's a huge win for this group, and you just hope that this can help propel them into the stretch of games in March where they've got a shit ton of home games. What we talked about in, when we were previewing this game and something that you always say, especially against these bigs, like Cat, like Gobert, they don't want to run. They don't want to run. Like What, what big in this league really wants to run. I mean, maybe Sabonis, right? Like he knows how to push the ball, put the ball on the floor um, and get it up the floor. But when you look at it defensively, even like bigs don't want to get back and run. And if you just run on them and don't give them any other choice, it's going to screw with them and their game. And, you know, you saw a few times it felt like they mixed up things that they were doing defensively. And when they had the Kings in that half court set, it was They were making the Kings play their game at what they do best. And what they do best is play defense in the half court. 
loved what I saw from the Kings. Agreed. This was just a big-time win. After the game, Malik Monk said it was a statement win. Do you agree with it being a statement win for this group? I think if that's how they feel, then sure. Because I don't know. Here's my my theory on that. I thought there was a few wins that were statement wins throughout right. the year that would take this turn to being more consistent. Now, not to say we haven't seen some really good basketball. Kings were 6-6 six and six throughout the month of February, but that ended up being the worst record for a Western Conference team that is in the playoff race, right? So you look at some of those better teams in the West, and you go, oh, shit, they had one of the worst records at just 500. So if they feel like this is a statement win and they feel like their players only meeting – leading into this game and what this game against the number one team in the West could lead to for the last 23, I'm down for it. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to call it a statement when they can call it that. But to me, I think most people who watch the Kings on a regular basis are going, okay, love tonight. Mm -hmm. Love tonight. What happens Monday against Chicago at home? Right. Like, what Are you going to bring that level of defensive focus and intensity when you're not on the road, like you were pointing out some numbers today on the pregame, Sacramento is 11th coming in tonight, 11th in defensive rating on the road. They're 26 at home. If the Kings play defense, engage like they did tonight, just compete. You know, there's still breakdowns tonight, obviously, right? Like Nas Reed got it going. McDaniels got it going. But if you hustle, you're getting offensive rebound, second chance points. The goal of one center is going to be going crazy. 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 And that alone, I mean, you talk about home court advantage and what that can do for you with just having that energy, the crowd, all those things. Sure, can be a momentum shifter if you are someone that believes in momentum, whatever. But even so, you think about these guys having so many more home games at the end of the season and what that can do for their bodies, what that can do for... Their mental health, just being in their own beds, being in their own hometown, all those different things. It will hopefully make a difference with how they compete. But I think defensively, when you look at why they're better on the road than they are at home, they just, they got to flick the switch, figure it the, the hell out and get that going on their home floor. Sacramento is now 34 and 25 on the season. We mentioned Malik Monk, Morgan. We should spend a little more time talking about Malik. 39 points for Malik Monk tonight. 39. Mm. 35 of those came in the second half in overtime. Yeah. What stood out to you about what he was able to do? Special. I mean, just special what he was doing. And I know we know Malik Monk is capable of doing this, but I think the best part about it was that there was no deer and fox. And we talked about this with Keegan Murray the other night. It's, hey, just because there's no deer and fox doesn't mean that you need to be deer and fox. It just means you need to still do what you do best with this team in this role, but even be a little bit more aggressive with it, right? And I think what Malik Monk was doing as soon as Keegan Murray was getting denied, Keegan Murray going off early on, we'll talk about him, but he was getting denied. They were making sure that Keegan wasn't even getting the basketball. So Malik's like, all right, it's my turn. And he wasn't my turn. I'm thirsty. It was my turn. I got to get this shit done for my team. And that's exactly like, I felt 
like his focus and that mentality that he had, it was his teammates believed in him too. It's like they wanted to get him the basketball. They wanted him to do special things. And you started seeing that from beyond the arc when he was making some of these um, huge threes and then getting into the paint and having some of those mid-range shots, some of those floaters and just creating for others. It was just beautiful from him and his confidence, obviously. I loved how he played tonight. I... Man, that shot he took at the end of the fourth quarter, though. If we're there, we can talk about it. Well, let's, it talk, let's talk about it because there's so much good, and right. especially in the overtime session with Malik. So it's 115-115, 16.9 to go. Kings have the ball. Kings put the ball in Monk's hands. Of course, in a normal game where Darren Fox is playing, that ball is in his hands, right? right? He's going to create something. I was just really surprised at what they decided to do. It wasn't a ton of action. Malik ends up taking a tough three ball. Mm -hmm. And then it goes out of bounds, you know, with what, 2.9 to go. Minnesota had a chance to win it with a cat three off the mark. The game goes to overtime. I'm just very curious about what the thought process was in that Kings huddle. Like, you know, you you could say, hey, set a screen for him. Look, they, they, they may blitz it. Mm -hmm. But could Malik Monk get... Could that be a good thing? Could Malik Monk find someone if he's getting blitzed? Or maybe you run some sort of ghost screen and it gets slipped or whatever. But they decided to go ISO mode with Malik. And that was a tough three when you didn't need a three to win it. You just needed a bucket. Yeah, and I think it, it whatever was supposed to happen, I think got screwed up, first of all, because yeah. then you saw the shot clock starting to wind down. And you're like, well, you got to jack up something. And that was the three-pointer that was jacked up but it's like you would have expected him to attack and even take a mid-range shot a floater whatever it he was. was so effective in the mid-range tonight so effective yeah. and and i just thought i i think whatever got screwed up screwed with the shot clock on them and they're like oh shit we got to get something i feel like it was i mean obviously it was a mistake that wasn't what they wrote out hopefully i'm assuming that but um but yeah, so he got what he got, and it was really, really um, depressing in that moment. I was really afraid what was going to happen with what two point nine left. Yeah, I think yeah, two point nine left. Yeah. and you're going, oh no, this is so much time. What kind of look are they going to get? Well, they, Minnesota doesn't get a good look at all, and the game goes to overtime. So now we're in the overtime session. Now it's going to be interesting to see how everything unfolds because you got a lot of players in foul trouble. Cat had five fouls. Gobert had five fouls. Sabonis had five fouls. Who's going out? Well, Sabonis fouls out with 358 to go. The Kings are down one at the time. What is going through your mind when Sabonis fouls out of this game? They done. I thought the I, same thing. I mean, because you knew you knew they would either go to Alex Len or they would go small, right? And before we get to that, yeah. it was like, I was like, either way, though, Sabonis is their guy that is just battling on the boards. He had 15 rebounds, 21 points. He was doing it all because you also don't have De'Aaron Fox in this game. So you see him as your anchor on both ends of the floor, this leader um, that fights through getting need in the balls and probably throwing up in, in, in the hallway. We don't know that is not confirmed, but whatever did happen really got to him, right? And my point is, like, this guy just knows how to battle through. He's tough. And when he got fat, I was like, there's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. And I was not feeling good. 
so Mike Brown elects to go small. He yes. brings Trey Lyles in. And I was surprised bit by it a little bit because, you know, they've gone small sometimes and it doesn't work out. And this is against a T-Wolves lineup. Finch has his bigs out there. He's got Nas Reed playing the three. Yeah. He's got Cat and Gobert out there. Very McDaniels. It's a long, big lineup. I'll tell you what. Sacramento came up with some timely stops, some big rebounds. Mm -hmm. I think Trey Lyles had a block during that stretch. Okay. So impressed with how they played against that bigger lineup. And I don't know if some of it was just luck, whatever, but man, I just thought they competed out there. They understood the mission. I was so concerned about the rebounding. Well, they got the rebounds. How about Kevin Herter with a massive offensive rebound? Dude. I, I look at Herter's night tonight. He had two offensive rebounds, but that one he had late in the game and he fired it to the corner and Monk hit a three Yeah, in overtime. I mean, huge. There, I thought there was a time he either stripped the ball or blocked it, but he doesn't have a block on his stats. So, I mean, I thought he was doing so, so many of the little things tonight, if you want to call it the little things, but that offensive rebound deuce really was one of the things that saved this Kings team. And like for him to just stretch up and get it, I felt like there were so many of those moments for him tonight. And you talk about like, Oh, when they went small, was there a little bit of luck involved? I think all the the fight in the Kings tonight, like, that's where I go. I don't think it was lucky. Like, you could say that cross-court pass when it went through Nas Reed's hands, you know, into the stands. Sure, shitty pass. Ended up being a turnover for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think that was after Malik Monk's two missed free throws. Uh, yes, <laughs> God, there's so much to go over with so this they were So they were saved there at the end with that mistake by the T-Wolves, but I feel like a lot of it was because of the pressure that the Kings were putting on. They were not letting up, and that small group was making sure that they were doing everything they can. Like, there was a different type of determination tonight. And again, who From knows? everybody. And who knows if it was from the communication within, like, a players-only meeting and stuff. And I, obviously, players-only, we weren't there. Obviously. And I know Chris Biederman just, he wrote that he filed a story for the B about the players only meeting. I'm waiting to see once it's updated. But, you know, if that's what kind of sparked them today, I'm glad. Because I think if there's one criticism that has been talked about with this group, even Mike Brown's mentioned it, is that this team at times is just not vocal enough with each other. Well, they're, if they are vocal, it's they they communicate with one another. But I feel like the communication style is very like like they they process things and go back and and maybe can communicate it later in the locker room. Where that shit sometimes just has to be said on the floor, like in a constructive manner. Like sometimes you see Sabonis do it, and you see people get in like little arguments. And you go, "Is that constructive?" And I go, "You know what I like about it though? It's being said." It's being verbalized right there. And yes, you're right. I don't think we see enough of that. So, you know, it's one thing for Mike Brown and the coaches to be ripping guys. We've seen Mike Brown getting the lay in the guys this year. Herder recently. He's calling early timeouts sometimes, getting on guys. But you want to see that type of accountability, them hold each other accountable. Yeah. And whatever is said, whatever it was just a challenge or like a rah-rah inspiration, like we got to bring it. They have to understand the moment. This is March 1st now. This is like, we don't have a lot of time with like, oh man, tough loss tonight. We got to bounce back. Five through 10 in the mm. West is 
jammed right now. The Warriors are starting to play some really good basketball oh right now. They're just two games behind Sacramento. The Kings are still just a game out of the fifth spot, but that's how fragile everything is. And these games coming up, especially the schedule that lies ahead, you got to lock in. So I, I, it sounds like, based on the reports, that like th- these players really emphasize the physicality and not folding and allowing like 28 to 4 runs. Yeah. And I thought tonight they took some punches. Runs are going to happen in the NBA. Minnesota went on a run. He went on a run to what start the fourth quarter. Sacramento didn't fold tonight. No. They kept battling. They competed their asses off. They won with out their two best players on the floor in overtime. It, it, yeah. It what a fun finish. And by the way, I would love to get into this. They controlled what they could control because Deuce, I will say this, you and I are very much pro-officiating. And the reason why, I think calling a lot of G League, NBA G League games, we get to see the development of a lot of officials throughout the G League that end up even in the NBA. And there's this part of me that just like humanizes the shit out of them. But when you're at a certain level of your profession – and you're supposed to be great, and you're not even good, and you're just shit. Tonight was shit with this officiating crew, and I'm and I'm I'm just being completely honest. It was on both sides for the T Wolves, for the Kings. There was times where like they would miss Gobert wrapping Sabonis, and someone would have a line drive, and it was like, why aren't you going to call that? And then the next call down, Gobert wouldn't even would barely touch Sabonis, and they're calling you know his first two fouls on like breathing on Sabonis, and I'm like, okay, I kind of like that, but I don't because I don't want that to be the game. I want them to be able to play basketball. I want it to be fair, but I don't want it to dictate the entire game and how things are run. And for one more example, and then we can get into it, but that charge that Trey Lyles took from Cat, and then they look at it on replay for a long time and still call it a block. What? That happened the second quarter. It was 36-30 after that bucket. It was an and-one situation, if I'm not mistaken. Could be mistaken. The fact of the matter is this. Lyles took the contact from Cat. Watching the replay, you're going, oh, he's there in time. The officials go and review this play. I don't know, two and a half minutes? Maybe three? Too long. Took a long time. They come back and say that his that Trey Lyles' torso was leaning? And so the call stands? Look, Morgan. A knee was coming into his torso. This, a knee. This league needs to figure some things out because this officiating this this season and the last two is not good. And there's a, many reasons for it. The game is more spaced out than ever. It's harder to officiate. Mm-hmm. These guys are very Great. clever with it. But the rules are so favored toward offense, it's absurd. Trey Lyles took an incredible charge tonight. He should be rewarded with that. That's an offensive foul. Yes. And to go back, watch that for two and a half minutes and come up with some bullshit. He was leaning a little left. 
a knee was, was coming into him and then it was a lean. Like it literally was like he took the contact of a knee and then Cat's body flying into him. When you have your feet set and it's such a fundamental, fundamental charge that Trey Lyles was taking out of the restricted area, all the things, you're exactly right, Deuce. That should be rewarded for sacrificing your body and making a defensive play that is deemed the right way to play the game. The Kings were called for 29 fouls tonight. Minnesota was called for 22. And there were just a lot of ticky-tack things. There were ticky-tack calls, but then there were like glaring omissions on both sides. One that I'll remember is when Gobert... Uh, had HB on him and like swung and hooked him with the elbow dunked. And of course, you know, yeah. Gobert is acting like he dunked on Victor or something. It's like, okay. I mean, you cleared space. You, you, literally, HB took an elbow to the yeah. chest. Yeah. It, just really tough moments in this game for the officials. Yeah. And even in that moment too, like you mentioned that, I've seen Domas do that. I've seen him oh, yeah. called for it and I've seen him not called for it. And... There's going to be the missed calls. But in this specific play, too, it was only Gobert and HB, like, in the middle of the paint. And so there was no one around to even be blocking someone's view of it or anything like that. And there was just some ridiculous moments like that where, look, I get it. it it's it's going to be difficult at times. But when an entire game is officiated like that, it's just, it's a little bit frustrating going forward. Um, especially to do sometimes I look at some of those, like the charge that Trey Lyles took. And I even said to you, I was like, if Draymond's taking that, they're calling that for Draymond. They don't want it. They don't want to feel the heat of it. They want to reward him a, a name in the NBA. And those biases sometimes are there in this league. And I get that. Like, Social media and stuff wasn't around back in the day for these officials to feel connections with some of these players, and I think it's just different now. Cat had the knee to Sabonis, as you mentioned, to the right to the testicles, sent Sabonis to the ground. I don't know how he got up from that, by the way. Like, I would be on the ground for five minutes. The guy gets up, kind of hunched over. I was like, Did he go throw up in the back? Mm. But I'm going. I saw Keegan multiple times last year when he was attacking the basket and had his knee up oh, and yeah. made contact. They call a foul on him. On Keegan. And I'm like, what, how, Sabonis can't get that one? He can't get that call? And then Kat, some, I don't know why his leg kicked back weird and he got connected with Trey Lyles' face at one point. I mean, just so many weird moments in this game from the officiating standpoint. I actually had that listed as my ugly tonight. We've gone over some of the good. There's more good to go over. Yeah. The bad tonight. This free throw shooting. I mean. Oh, that was the bad. We went good to ugly. Now we're going to go to bad. I like this. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, and, and we're talking about bad at crucial times. You're like, they're all big, right? They all count. It's like, yes, yes, yes. But we've seen ga- games where the Kings have a chance to put a team away and they don't make free throws down the stretch. We saw this again in this game. We're talking about an overtime Malik Monk goes to the line when the Kings are up three. It's 123-100. You're feeling pretty good about things, right? We're approaching the final minute overtime. Great attack. Gets fouled. Misses both. Okay. Then, luckily, Cat throws an awful pass to Nas Reed, who can't corral it. Goes mm-hmm. out of bounds. Cat was looking at him like, how do you not catch it? I'm like, well, it was seven feet above Nas Reed's head. But, okay. 
Um, anyway, then next possession, uh, 123-120, Herter misses. It looked like the ball could have been the cylinder, whatever. It oh, wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Nas Reed misses a three. Then Trey Lyles has a chance at the free throw line to put the Kings up five, right? He misses one of two. So the Kings end up winning 124 to 120. But on the night, 13 of 24 at the free throw line, 54%. So bonus was six of 10. Hey. Monk was two of four. Lyles, one of two. Barnes, 0 for two. Minnesota, on the other end, they shot 75%. They were 24 of 32 at the free throw line. The free throw shooting has been awful all year. They're mm-hmm. last in the NBA in free throw shooting. This is one of my biggest concerns with this team. What? The free, free throw throws? shooting. Like, in the playoffs or late in the season when you're trying to close things out and secure a playoff spot, if you get into a playoff series, a close game, I have I don't know who I trust to make free throws on this team. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to trust Malik. He and he's been hit or miss. Keegan doesn't get there a lot to really know. He knocked down both of his. Sabonis, sometimes he hits him, sometimes he doesn't. Fox, some nights he goes nine of ten, other times he's going five for eleven. I, I it worries me. HB, I don't know what to expect. It's just a bad free throw shooting team. And when you have a bad free throw shooting team, you just think about Late game situations, playoffs, what's going to happen? Not just late game, too, Deuce. You're right. It's it's about it's about you look at this score and you look at the free throws missed by the Kings and just a few plays gone bad and we're talking shitty free throws for the Kings all night long. And that's scary. And in you look at someone like Mike Conley, for example, one of the best free throw shooters in the league. I believe 91%, 90% free throw shooter. He missed he one. Missed that, one. Yeah. And when he missed a big one, I was just like, oh, yes, yes, yes. You know yes. what? It made up for Gobert going two for two at the line right before that. Yes, yeah. such bullshit. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, I I just, I, I would understand this more if it wasn't so bad. If this Kings team was, it, as a team, as a team, they're one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the league. And that to me just makes zero sense when you have people that are capable, even Sabonis, like when you look at his shot compared to a Rudy Gobert shot, it's like you should be making it's your free in, throws. It's in his head. 100%. De'Aaron's numbers dropping this year, That that's in his head. Yes. I'm not suggesting he's an 85% free throw shooter, but Fox should be 80. I mean, he's like 78 last year. It's dropped significantly this year. So it's a big concern to me going forward. You know, you think about some games they could have put away. The Phoenix game probably could have got put away if they just hit free throws. Milwaukee definitely could have won that game in Milwaukee had they made their free throws. And then you start thinking about just where they're at offensively. Look, two of your guys that get to align the most are Sabonis and Fox. They're not good free throw shooters this year. You're leaving points out there. And what that does... Is it's so deflating, and then all of a sudden you're missing them, and now you're thinking about it when you go to the line. I it's 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 one of those things that I hope can get better over the this next month because I think Malik Monk's a good free throw shooter. Agreed. I think Fox can be better. I think Sabonis can be better. Those guys, the whole team, they gotta lock in at the free throw line. Yeah, it's look they're the. When they lock in defensively and they lock in, they you, they did these other things that they really locked into tonight, getting the 50-50 balls, uh, getting those second chance opportunities, hands up in the passing lane, all those things. 
how do you lock in mentally when it comes to your free throws? I know we can say, I, I remember when I used to, shoot free throws and my dad would be like just don't overthink it you know like there's those easy things that you can say just don't overthink it and it wasn't about that I I I had a pretty shot growing up you know my mechanics were fantastic but it was like fantastic but but it was like it was such a mental thing it's like having that golf swing when you just want to make sure that you're just getting in the hole and it's just you're thinking too much about it and how do you change that? When you are a professional playing at this level, there is a way. There are resources. There are all these mental health coaches. There are coaches, I'm sure, that you can find free throw shooting coaches nowadays. Figure it out, though, and, because and, it's a huge problem. And this is at a point in the NBA where free throw shooting by teams has never been better. Jeez. Yeah, this is the b- best free throw shooting that we've ever seen in the NBA. I mean, you have eight teams shooting over 80%. You have wow. Half the over half the league is shooting 78% at the free throw line uh, as a as a team, you know. And so for Sacramento, you're just leaving points on the board. I and mean, you, it's just You saw I OKC number 1 free throw shooting team in the league and you think about SGA, not yeah. only does he seek fouls and tries to make sure he's getting those calls, um, whether he's getting touched or not. But he gets to the free throw line, and he's finishing, and the rest of the team is finishing. And that's huge, and you look at where they are in the Western Conference, can make a big difference. We have failed to give love to the chat tonight. People hanging out with us late on a Friday Mm -mm, night. Appreciate mm -mm. you guys being here. Hit the thumbs up and subscribe. Shout out to Bianne. In the chat, who says maybe they should also have rest talk to the media after games so they can answer the wrong calls. <clears throat> Interesting enough, in close games, if there's like a crazy sequence where there's like a bad call or a controversial call at the game, there is one reporter selected at every game mm-hmm. that gets a chance. They call him the pool reporter who gets a chance to go talk to the crew chief and ask two questions and a follow-up. I love that. But you you don't get much out of it. It's like, this is what we saw. The other night, we saw an official go, yeah, we messed up that call. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know. Is it going to make us feel better about it? It's, yeah, you, and they just the need thing. to be better. Yeah. It's, so. it's, I, you're going to, there will be mistakes. Yeah. Professionals make mistakes. We all make mistakes. There's going to be mistakes. It's just that when they're, when it truly has such an impact on the entire game, even if it doesn't have an impact on who won or who lost, but it has more of an impact on the flow of the game, uh, the the entertaining elements of the game. All those things matter too with just the product and where the NBA wants to go. Wallace in the chat says, after my friend Fernando met you, a Brazilian fan said they wanted to follow the Kings and you guys more. You are famous around here. Shout out to Brazil. Yeah. yeah dude, I didn't talk about this the other night because I think it was after Kings loss, right? It was to Miami. Yeah, it was the Miami game they lost. I met a fan named Fernando. He and his wife flew from Brazil to Sacramento to watch a Kings game. They've done it the last three years. And I was like, how did you become a Kings fan? And he said he fell in love with those early 2000s teams. He loved Peja. I just thought it was cool, and he's still a Kings fan. So shout out to Brazilian Kings fans. Yeah, hell yeah. Thanks, everybody. Yes. Um, let's see a lot of people talking about the free throws as well. Um, we've got a lot more to go over. I've got some more good from tonight that I mm-hmm. want to talk about. 
Also, what Jade McDaniel said. We have some other topics. We should mention that tonight's podcast presented by our friends over at Northwest Exteriors. Morgan, your sister just used. She trusted the experts. Oh, my gosh. It was so much fun. I went over there, yeah. and all we kept doing was singing, Simply the best. Trust, trust Northwest. Northwest. The entire time that they were actually... Uh, installing some new windows they were laughing about it it was fun i mean that's and again that just shows like how comfortable uh we are with this entire company everyone that works there a lot of these people have been working there for 20 plus years they're so knowledgeable they're so nice and it's been a fun experience even for her so i'm super excited for her to have some new windows to help keep her very old house nice and warm in the winter nice and cool in the summer and again it's going to make everything look better as well so why should everyone go to trustnorthwest.com morgan reagan well oh so simply the best trust northwest i was queuing you that time to do it i was gonna give you many more reasons but okay i'm ready why should they go and trust the exports at northwest exteriors morgan simply the best trust northwest you see how dead on i am yeah you were great great stuff thank you <laughs> Eh. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Yeah, and it's a really confusing time, by the way. There's all these documents, especially with us, like we are managing finances together because we run a small business together. There's all these different papers. There's all these different forms. What do you do? You listen to Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Yeah, because then you can be making a balanced budget and not just for everything you're doing with your business. How about for some time off after an NBA season even? That sounds amazing. So you know what you need to do? Listen to Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Some other things I loved about tonight's game. Let's yeah. go over some of the numbers first. Please. Demonis Sabonis, 21 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 blocks. He had that nice block on Anthony Edwards. Mm -hmm. Had some great contests at the rims. He played forty, just under 41 minutes before fouling out. Struggled a little bit late in the game. I thought the Minnesota size gave him some problems inside. But still, 21-15-8 for Sabonis. Keegan, let's talk some Keegan Murray. Hell yeah. He had 17 points, five rebounds, seven of 15 shooting, one of three from downtown. This Minnesota team does a great job preventing three-pointers mm -hmm. and allowing them. Uh, they, I think, are number one in the NBA in three-point field goal percentage. King shot 38%. They didn't rely on the three tonight. 11 of 29 from three. I love Keegan's game. I mean, he missed some shots early, but I, I it was just aggressive. Aggressive, indecisive Keegan Murray decisive. is a good Keegan Murray. And tonight, he was decisive. He played with more for, uh, force. What jumped out to you? Well, how decisive he was when he'd go to the basket, understanding if he needed to make yeah. it a floater, understanding if he needed to make it a step back midi. Um, just the way that his brain was clicking. By the way, I think it's dry in here because of the fog or something. Are you feeling it in your throat? Maybe a little bit. Just <laughs> Can let it I happen. Can I some of your water? Just really quick. Thank you. Oh, my God. It might be dying. Sorry. You could have brought your own. Ah! Okay. Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray. 
So being decisive with some of his shot selection and everything, but not only being decisive, being super aggressive, attacking the paint, understanding that De'Aaron Fox was out and that he needed to be more aggressive, 7 to 15, being efficient. I just, I, I liked what we saw from him all around. And I think the last four games, what we've been seeing from him is a lot of efficiency. And it's because he's just, he's just being very smart with the basketball and understanding what he needs to do for this team right now. I think since the All-Star break, he's averaging like 18 a game. And he's been super efficient. He's knocked down the three, but he's just not relying on the three either. Like you said, take it. The drive he had on McDaniels tonight mm. and mm. dunked mm. it. I'm like, that's what I want to see. Oh. And then defensively, just so active. He had a big deflection. The Kings went into some zone looks at times tonight, which actually I thought worked out pretty well for them. They they just mixed up the coverages a little bit. They didn't stick with it like every possession like the Miami Heat because Miami's so good at it, right? They've been playing it so long as a team. But I thought throwing out that zone every once in a while was a good thing from Sacramento. He had some deflections that turned into dunks and mm -hmm. steals that turned into dunks. He had three dunks tonight. Uh, he had a tough, was it over Cat or Gobert? He had a nice jumper over that was sweet. You know, he, he loves that fall away yeah. Mid-range jumper now. He's just looking more and more comfortable since the All-Star break. And you hope he can keep playing like this because it could be good, mean good things for Sacramento. His defense has just been legit this year and all the way around. And look, he commanded a lot of respect tonight. In that second half, man, they were sticking him. They were not even allowing the exchange on the dribble handoff. They're making sure to take that away from Sacramento. So luckily, Sacramento has adjusted that a little bit where they're not clueless when you take away the mm -hmm. dribble handoff like they were last year in the playoffs. They they found a way to still get it done. But it just goes to show you, Jaden McDaniels all over yes. Keegan in this game shows you he was having a big impact. Someone in the chat said, great game by Keeks, but I wish Mike Brown would use him more at the end besides having him in the corner. And that's the thing, though. It's not that he wanted to just sit in the corner. He was being denied the basketball. He was being defended so well where you go, okay, but get your ass open. I completely agree with you. Yeah. And that's where I think certain, like Mike Brown and certain, there should have been certain situations where they were trying to look, get him open, uh, whether it was off a better screen. I know there was a lot of switching going on with the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, whether it was just getting him the ball up top in the corner so then he could have a nice DHO situation with Sabonis or whoever else was in at that well, time. I guess that's the one thing is late in the game, it was heavy Malik Monk, especially once Sabonis fouled out, it was Malik Monk time. And, you know, you you got that smaller lineup, so you're going five out. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think the evolution is, okay, in these situations where Fox is yeah. not – I mean, these situations you hope aren't going to come up often. Yeah. Like, where you're playing late game situations without Fox and Sabonis on the floor. But I think you got to be prepared for it. Yes. You know, and being prepared for it is like, hey, it worked tonight. Malik Monk got in his bag and did his thing. He attacked him, got switches, hit tough shots, attacked, hit threes. He's not he's never gonna be scared at the moment. But what can you do to get Keegan involved in some action if Sabonis is on the floor or if Fox is on the floor? And that's gonna be a challenge for Mike Brown this staff to figure out. Yeah, and and I love opportunities like this. It's like obviously I don't want Sabonis or De'Aaron to be unhealthy, but I think it's so important for this team and their development 
um, to have that type of experience to understand how other guys can step up in their roles without playing hero ball. Like, for example, I thought Trey Lyles was doing such a good job of trying to get the basketball to Malik Monk and not trying to be like, I can be the hero just because I know how to score. He was like... My teammate, my guy is feeling it, and I'm going to get the ball back to him. I'm going to get him to set it back up top. And if, hey, if he sees me on a flare, he sees me in the corner relocating wherever um, he is on the floor and he wants to get it to me, I'll be ready. But until that, let me let me make things happen for the guy that is making things happen for all of us out here. Someone in the chat was just bringing up Keegan Murray's home numbers versus road numbers. Okay. At home, Keegan Murray is averaging 18.5 points a game, almost six rebounds, 1.6 assists. He's shooting 50% from the field and 44% from three. On the road, mm-hmm. 12.4 points a game. The shooting drops from 50.8 to 42.9. The three-point shooting drops from 44 to 29.8. Ooh-wee, what's up with that? What's, What's up, up with, with that? that? What's up with that? I <laughs> thought you were going to put some different words with it. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it it kind of goes to like the free throw shooting, right? I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't. I I can't act like oh home court advantage or anything of that nature. I don't know. Yeah. Do you have an answer? I don't. Okay, it's, good. It's interesting. Now, the last couple of road games, he's been playing well. So maybe this is just, I don't know, is that just weirdness? I have zero idea. Someone in the chat was just saying, maybe it's the, the chant. Mm, great you point. You don't get the Keegan Murray chant. So home court advantage. See, they just put like an earpiece in Keegan Murray, and every time he scores, someone hits a button and goes, Keegan Murray. It's, oh, okay, I got, I got the confidence just, I like, need. amps up. That's hilarious. Yeah. That is so funny. But that is a weird split. Like, that's a pretty dramatic to go 44% from three at home and 29% on the road. Huh. That's insane. But yeah. anyway, he was really good tonight. I just loved how he played. And it's been good since the All-Star break to see him kind of bounce out of this slump. And you hope that he can keep trending upward for Sacramento this month. Um, Keon Ellis, seven assists. You mentioned the four steals. Mm. That's a career high. Davion Mitchell, 16.7 of eight shooting tonight. Love it. That was big time Love stuff. It. And our rock and soul player of the game. This ain't a debate. Hey! Malik Monk. Ugh, so 39 happy. points. He took 29 shots tonight. 16 of 19 shooting. He was 5 of 8 from 3. 35 of those points came in the second half in over, and overtime. What's wild about it is he only played 33 minutes tonight. I know. The guy had 39 points in 33 minutes. He wasn't really good in the first half. I was he he say was that. struggling with his shot. What a performance by Malik. I mean, how about some of the shots he hit in the fourth quarter? Yeah. And, over, and in overtime. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it was pretty wild to say. And obviously, too, make sure you go to Rock and Soul Diner. Breakfast served all day. And during Kings games, you get 25% off appetizers and 25% off drinks. And Deuce, I think some of those shots that he was taking, you know, we know he's first team all confidence, but I feel like it's not just his confidence that's driving him anymore. It's he has put in the work to back it up, to back up his confidence, to, to like, if you were ever going to give him shit for missing shots, he goes, 
it would be like, well, no, I believe I can make that. And it's not just like all talk. Like, I believe I can make that. It's, I believe I can make that because I put in the work and yeah. I've become this good of a basketball player. Um, I love that his team trusts him with the basketball. And I love that he loves these big moments. And I think one of the funnest things too is after a Kings win, uh, we got to end up talking to him after the game. No, it was awesome. We're going to play that in just a second, but yeah, he was special in this game tonight for the Sacramento Kings. So it was good to see. Uh, we did talk to him after the game. You want to play a portion of it? I like Let's it. hear it. I'm there. Oh, Malik Monk. My goodness. What an exciting ending. Uh, no Fox. You guys just beat the best team in the West. How did you get this one done? Um, a team effort. Um, I, hear, I hear I was talking earlier without Fox. Had a big win without Fox. So we knew we had to um, come together even more. Um, we let one sleep away in Denver. And we knew we couldn't come out and play like that again. So we just um, came out here all together and um, never gave up. Malik, your second half was amazing. 35 of your 39 points in the second half. You missed a three at the end of uh, the fourth. You missed a couple of free throws, but you guys were able to come up big. What worked well for you in that second half? I was, I was scared to get 40, though, man. I missed the free throws. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, but um, I, I, I knew I had to keep attacking um, because... Some of the shots are going to go in. I'm not going to make them all. I just knew I had to keep them um, true. And if I attack, um, it'll open up a little bit more for my teammates. Um, and, yeah, I just got the mid-range going, and I knew, like I said before, that it was going to open up for other, uh, other people. You, you talked about this being just a complete team win, and you think about the guys sitting out like De'Aaron Fox, but then you have someone like Keon Ellis starting this game, and then Davion Mitchell steps up. Uh, what is the mentality going into a game like this? Um, next man up. And um, like I said before earlier in this interview, I said we had to come together as a team because we're missing our all-star point guard. Um, and, and, and Keon started out great, had two big steals. Um, I think we went up like 12. Um, Davion came in, went three for three, four for four, something like that. So um, it was a team effort. Malik, can I just ask the free throws? Can you guys just make them so it doesn't give me a heart attack? It's it's killing me. I'll be, be saying the same shit, man. I'll be saying the same shit. <laughs> Congrats on the win, man. That was a big-time win. We'll see you Monday back at home. For sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, Malik. <laughs> There's Malik Monk there. Oh, by the way. Shit, I've been saying the same thing. So on the way home, we were talking about this back to Sacramento. Um Morgan was like, I, I don't know if I would have asked Malik that or said that to Malik. Whoa, and I whoa. was more suggesting like, hang on, I, what did I say wrong? I'm just telling you, you're acting like I'm slamming you here. I'm just saying. You're not, but I will, I'll go into, okay. And I, I did see someone on Twitter was like, oh man, did Deuce make Malik Monk mad? I don't go back and watch. Oh no, I didn't. I, I am a fan. I am feeling this. While you guys are feeling it on your couch, I'm in the studio like, oh my God, the free throws. And he had just talked about missing the free throw. So I'm like, hey, man, those free throws. I just want to hear what he had to say about it. And I love the raw emotion for him. He's like, man, shit. We didn't talking about it. So my thing was when Deuce asked me, he goes, you know, like, oh, do you think it's okay or whatever that I like pose the question like that? And I'm like, so I wouldn't. That's not my style. 
And I love that you feel confident enough to do that. And I said, you did that with De'Aaron and you did that with Malik Monk. And I think with those personalities, you can go in that direction. But I think with some other players, you're going to be Joe Random Broadcaster and they're going to be like, what the shit does this guy know? To and me. That's, that's how I feel about it for me. And I'm always, and I don't know if it's because I'm a woman in this business. And so like, I have a different level of like confidence where it's, down here sometimes where it's like i'm not i'm not screwed with that i don't want to get in trouble i don't want anyone to dislike me so i'm gonna not i'm gonna steer away from that where you feel more confident in just being yourself in that situation whether you are going to get turned down or not and both times you've done it with great personalities and malik monk and De'Aaron fox and it's gone the right way oh, great personality deuce mace it, no great personality malik monk and De'Aaron fox no it was it was hilarious i just loved how honest he was and i love that he said shit three times on tv i'm like oh man there's one there's two there's three. Oh they, well they said he's allowed to say that i know and during the break the producer's like oh he's allowed to do that i'm like what? I'm like, shit. And we're Weekend? just, we start shit, saying be, shit a yeah. hundred times. And she goes, no, you guys have a contract. You guys can't. So, oh, good shit man. though, huh? No, but yeah, I mean, it is definitely something that they're aware of and they just got to get better. And so many people are like, well, they're going to practice some more. Practice the free throws. Dude, they're shooting free throws. They got to make them in the game. It's a mental thing and they got to lock in. That's all there is to it. They got to lock in. Gotta I mean, there's, in. they're a practice. You could shoot them after practice. It's about shooting them when you're tired. It's about shooting them when you're, th- you know, you're you're fatigued mentally and physically, and you have to overcome that. Whether you got to find what works for you. Is it a deep breath? Is it taking time? You see Sabonis sometimes. He takes a real deep breath before his free throws. He's like, a, and he's locked in. De'Aaron sometimes goes a little too fast at the line. Sometimes it slows down at work. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. Everyone's got a different thing. They just yeah. got to figure it out. Different different mentalities at the line. Um, make sure to hit the thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribed as well. Some other numbers, because we talked about Keegan. We talk about Malik Monk and what he was able to do tonight. Just a special thing. But th- something that really jumped out to me is, without your starting point guard tonight, Sacramento had 29 assists and just eight turnovers. Oh. In a game that had five extra minutes. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, you had eight turnovers tonight. That's it. And turnovers crushed you last game against Denver where you had 14 that turned into 28. Tonight, eight turnovers turned into nine points. And you had eight turnovers against one of the best defensive teams yes. in the league. Like, you think about when you just talk about someone like Jaden McDaniels and the way that he gets his arms up. Uh, you think about the bigs in the middle, Gobert and Cat, and the way that they get their arms up and you're trying to, like, get a spray three or get a pass around somebody. They were able to make the right passes. They were super focused on making the right passes, making the right move, not leaving their feet before thinking. And, yeah, I thought the Kings were focused in that category as well. Uh, Brendan in the chest says, it's a good style to play against the Minnesota T-Wolves. Dress their bigs with off-ball movement and pin downs, take them out of position of rebound. Yeah, they did a fantastic job in getting into your early offense, right? Pushing the pace and getting into those actions. So not only... Are they in action when they get on the other side? It's early. They're, they got to run back. Oh, God, I got to get back on defense. And then you're getting them away from the basket, putting them in vulnerable positions. Fantastic stuff from Sacramento. By the way, I think something that we mentioned in a lot of these losses this year is like, they got to find a way to win. Like, you got to prove this. You got to prove this. And I think now, tonight, like, that we are in a win. I know we always get excited 
about wins. We celebrate wins. Wins are very hard in the NBA. But I think it's also pointing out that they've, in a close game, all throughout the night, biggest lead for the Minnesota Timberwolves was only three. Biggest lead for the Kings was 14 early on. But close game all throughout the night, and they found a way to win with adversity coming their way in overtime. It was just, again, it's that team mentality that we saw consistently last season. You go, can they figure out a way to keep this the rest of the season? Because if they're losing some games with the way that they play tonight, I'm not pissed off. I'm talking about how, whoa, this team, they really turned the corner after that Minnesota Timberwolves game. Obviously, I want to see it with a lot more W's to end this season. But if I'm seeing this competitive style of basketball and other teams are losing behind them, it could still go in a good direction. In that overtime, you talk about them battling back. They got down three with 2.51 to go. Cat makes both free throws. It's 120 to 117 with under three to play, and Sabonis is not out there. Then Monk comes down, hits a three. On the other end, Nas Reed goes up for a layup blocked by Trey Lyles. Mm. Then uh, in transition, Kevin Herter, I thought he had a good look for a three, passed up the first one to take another one, missed it. Um, Gobert misses, a, then there's a timeout. Gobert misses a layup. Monk misses a jump shot. Um, and then McDaniels draws a foul. Excuse me, Monk draws a foul. That's when he misses both free throws. Brutal. There is just some tough moments in this game that just, oh, I could not believe some of the plays. But there were also just so many big moments. Malik Monk hitting some crucial threes down the stretch in this game, and the Kings get a win. So I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So much fun. Had a lot of fun tonight. Had a lot of fun um, breaking down. I mean, even you and I at the half, I uh, for the halftime show on NBC Sports California, it was a lot of fun talking about so much of the good. That half ended with whoever it was. I believe it was Trey Lyles that passed it out to HB for that corner three, and that's how that half ended. It was in they went up by one to start the third quarter. It was just these these good all those little things never felt fluky either never felt like yeah they pulled that one out it just it felt like good solid basketball being played all throughout we talk about the players meeting well the sacramento bees chris biederman just published a story about that players only meeting malik said we had a team meeting to talk about how we have to take this shit seriously because we got 23 games left now. The coaches are going to say what they're going to say, but we're out there playing. We knew we had to come together and outwork somebody. I love that. Mm -hmm. Herter says, I think a large part of it is just getting on the same page. I think it was a time for us players to talk about and take ownership of what we're doing, talk about things we think are successful for us and have been happening on the court, things that aren't, and just do it in a setting away from coaches so we could talk about it. It was so it was productive. Davion Mitchell said, we were saying that we just have to come together. We just can't lay down when teams go on runs. We can't put our heads down when we're not scoring the ball. We just got to play harder. Wow. Just this is again, they can be honest with each other. Talking about the difference between this year and last year, Herder says, I think externally it feels different. Last year, we were the darling of the NBA. Anything we did, everybody was loving it. It was positive. This year, with expectations and the West being better, we're kind of in a similar spot record-wise, but it just feels different. We're grinding, scratching, and clawing every game, and we need to. It feels like there's a lot of times this year when we've had 
big wins, and this feels like a big win right now. Kind of tells you how the season has gone. We're needing everyone. And you know why else they probably felt that way is because they played good basketball against the number one team in the West without their star player in De'Aaron Fox. Mm. I mean, you you got to be proud of that. You got to do. We always talk about how hard it is to win in the NBA, and you have to make sure to soak in these moments. Let's uh, hear what Mike Brown had to say uh, post game. Let's hear a little Mike Brown. This is what he said post game in Minnesota. Uh, uh, for us on the road, especially coming off to off off the loss in Denver and, and even back to Miami, and and you know, I've talked about our identity, well, beginning of the year quite a bit. You know, we want to play fast, we want to play physical, and we want to play together. You know, and um, I, I thought tonight we did a good job of playing fast. We had 19 fast break points. Um, which was really good against this team. Uh, but I thought our level of physicality really showed tonight. Uh, we, were, we were extremely physical on, on both, uh, uh, on, in both halves. And, you know, one, level, one way to show it was there were 11 50-50 balls out there, and we came up with eight of them. You hear that? Yeah. 11 50-50 balls, and they come up with eight of them? And I, That's what they did in that first game against Minnesota in Minnesota. And I love that Chris Finch was talking about how the Minnesota Timberwolves didn't come up with those 50-50 Ooh, balls. Even with their big lineup. For us, that is that's huge. Um, you know, we were trying to put bodies on bodies all night. We had six stops in a row in overtime to end the game. Wow. You, you know, we weren't efficient from the free throw line, obviously. And we haven't been efficient from the free throw line throughout the course of the year. So we have to have a level of physicality in order to win games because we're not going to be able to score 125 points every game. And our guys brought it tonight. A lot of different guys did. Uh, I thought Davion was really good defensively. Uh, He was great for us offensively. We told him to be aggressive, and he was aggressive. We even called his number a couple of times in some play sets. Nice. I thought HB was uh, good defensively. Cat is a hard, hard cover, and he's got HB by about five inches, and so he was really good with his level of physicality. Um, you know, you talk about Keon. Keon, Keon's level of physicality was really good. He was a defensive player of the game when he came in. Um, and then, you know, just other things that stood out. You know, they had zero fast break points. And our transition defense against Denver was something that we addressed after the game because it wasn't good. So for our guys to come out here and, and do what they did in transition, just a great job defensively in transition. Um, like I said, we got out. We had 19. We always talk about crash zone. We had multiple guys in the crash zone that attacked the glass and came up with second possessions. And we had 20, 20 second chance points versus a much bigger team tonight, which was which huge for us with, with the 14 uh, offensive rebounds. Um, you know, Domas. Domas was fantastic, you know, with, with the 21, 15, and, and, and 8. He was great for us all night. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, Malik, um, you know, with Fox out, we needed to generate points from somebody. And so for, for Malik uh, to score 39 points in the overtime game for us was huge. He, he, was, he was just fantastic offensively uh, for us, especially down the stretch. And speaking on Malik a little bit, I mean, what's it like for you as a coach when 
um, you, you have a guy who you know can cook like that and, and sort of make your life easier to where you, you're not necessarily having to manufacture offense maybe in the typical ways you would? It's huge. You know, the, the, the great teams always have, you know, two or three guys like that where sometimes you don't have to call a play. You just say, Here's the ball. Go make a play for yourself or for your teammate, teammates. And and, and Malik did that. And uh, uh, especially with Fox out and down the stretch, we needed somebody to stand, uh, stand up for us. And Malik was the guy that did. And the, the guys talked about having a players-only meeting in, in Denver yesterday. Um, just how do you view that as a coach? How, how gratifying is it for, for you to see guys take ownership and then come out with an effort after that meeting like they had tonight? I freaking Love it, <laughs> I, 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 and I mean, I, 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 I mean, this me. I've been talking internally um, to our front office, to our coaches, even to our team. We won't reach the heights that we can reach until you guys take ownership. As a head coach, you can push and carry the group only so far. There's going to be a, there's got to be a point in time from to where it comes from within, and they talk to one another and they hold each other accountable and they take ownership in whatever the heck is going on in front of them, and so for them to have that for the first time, ah man, I actually went out and had a drink last night. It was partly because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, Mike Brown. Uh, very happy to hear his team talked it out. And that's exactly what I was just saying. Uh, that's so funny. What's up with all the... Well, they're playing a little Zach Brown band, a little chicken fried in the background. Is that what that song... Yeah, How where, did was you that, know that song? I had no you don't hear the background? I did, but I was like, I just thought it was a karaoke song. Here's my question. Was that the King's Locker Room singing that? I, I mean... That when, or were that like people who were arena workers listening to that? Or was it a karaoke bar behind them? Yeah, they were just doing it at a karaoke bar. Post game at the karaoke bar. I just, I just, I don't know why I'm just imagining the King's locker room and they're forcing Keegan to go. So a little bit of chicken fried, a cold beer on a Friday night. You know. How do you know what's the guy in its name? Zach? What? Uh, Zach. I looked it up. Zach Brown Band. I knew it was chicken oh, fried. How did you know that? Isn't you, that country? I, okay. I'm not even a country. Look, I I like all music. It is country. Oh, I don't do that. You have not heard that song before? Uh Uh-uh. Everybody's heard that song before. I've never heard that song. I'm being totally honest. I wish I could play it. Don't play it. I don't want to get dangerous. I don't either. Malik Monk singing it maybe in the chest? I don't do country. That is hilarious. Dude, Mm. I love that shit. All right, going back to what uh, Mike Brown said. God, Mike Brown is saying a lot of what we said at the beginning of the podcast. Um... Always talking about the same shit. But seriously, that th- that players only thing. You just hope it. You hope it's not a one game thing. And I think that's the biggest thing where Kings fans. I'm not saying all, but I'm sure a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking the same thing. Okay, what well, what's gonna happen Monday? Like Monday night chat. What are we talking about? Are we talking about, dude? They let one go against the Bulls, like. DeRozan Depends a on big how they game. play. And, and that's the thing is yeah. like, you did it for a game. And we've seen these moments, these flashpoints throughout the year. And there have been ones where I'm like, man, I think this is when they turn the corner. And then they have like a loss to the, Den- uh, excuse me, the uh, Detroit Pistons at home. Like, what the hell just happened? Yep. So you just hope, all right, Monday, hopefully Fox can get back after not playing for a minute. And you can kind of have this mentality, this fight, this physicality, this resilience 
that you have lacked at times this year and have that through the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, the amount of times that we brought up the word consistency since the beginning of the season, um, I will, I, for so, I forget a lot of things, but I won't forget when you asked me like 20 games in, how would you describe this team? And I said, inconsistent. Yep. That was my word. And I think a lot of, I think even you thought, well, can they find a way out of that inconsistency? I'm like, well, no, I think this is who they are. And show me these last 23 games you that, prove you, it. that you have found consistency toward the end of this season, you know, when it matters most, but we'll see. Let me tell you why I'm bullish, why I'm uh, confident about this. Why? One, I'm kind of a homer at times. We know. Uh, no, but in all honesty... 23 games left. Mm-hmm. 23 games left. Yeah. 15 at home. The Kings have played the fewest home games in the NBA this yes. year. Yes. The fewest. Yes. This month, March 1st, baby, the Kings have 16 games. 11 of them are on the home floor. Uh-huh. Five against teams below 500. Correct. This is a take care of business month. You have to use what happened tonight, winning in a tough place on the road, has to carry into this month. I looked at the schedule today before the game. I counted 11 wins if they're locked in. Oh, did you? And I did not include tonight. Counted that. I did not include tonight going into it. I'm looking at the schedule, Morgan. I know this game's dangerous, but I'm looking at the losing teams they're playing throughout this stretch. Let's just... Briefly go over some of it. I don't want to run down the whole schedule. Everyone can look at it. But Chicago, below 500. The Spurs are going to be here next week. They're below 500. The Rockets are below 500. Those three games right mm-hmm. there. You have to take advantage of these. You saw the Memphis Grizzlies coming to your place. That's a fourth team under 500. You have a road trip that features the Raptors and the Wizards. Two games, two teams below 500. You take on the Utah Jazz still. You still have games. Again, you have a, the final game of the season. It's a home game. We all know the, the final games are always weird. It's against Portland. There's opportunity here this month and the rest of the season to get fat. It's home cooking time. You have to propel yourself into the top six. You have to avoid a plan. You have to find consistency going into the playoffs. There's no better time than now to do it. You just went over your, your your rough stretch. You just went over having 15 of 19 on the road and then coming out of the All-Star break and taking on two of the best teams in the Western Conference without your best player. Tonight, you're locked in. Can you lock in Monday? You got to lock in. And then you got to start winning some games. You got to beat some teams above 500, but you take care of business against the bad teams. There's no more losing games to teams below 500. It's over. It's done. People want to freak out about the roller coaster ride of the standings. They're in 10th. They're in 7th. You know what? They've got a magical opportunity. Their schedule looks nice. Take advantage. All right, now cut that. And uh, Mike, you play that for the players in the okay. locker room yeah. before next game. Good. With dramatic, yes. inspirational music underneath. <clears throat> yes. Thank you. That, would, that was per- Was that good for them, you think? Yeah, I thought you could have been, like, you didn't really blink a lot during it. it I don't blink when I'm serious. Yeah, no, I could tell. You were just like, 
I'm there. But maybe you were looking into the <laughs> the the souls of everyone. That's what I was doing. Oh well, I hope you're all brainwashed. Let's get to one quote from tonight, Morgan Reagan, that Ooh. I failed to get to that What's I've been that? talking about. Jaden McDaniels. Oh shit, yeah. Jaden McDaniels, really good player, has played some great defense on Fox this year. Mm-hmm. And in the past, um, he had a good game tonight, too. 26 points, 9 for 11, 5 of 7 from 3. Really benefit from how the Kings were defending, trying to deal with Cat at times. Season high, 26 points. Yeah, he had 20 in Sacramento in mm-hmm. the last game, too. He did not play in the first matchup in Minnesota. Um, here's what he had to say after the game. He said, "I really talking about the Kings, quote, I really don't worry about them mm. when they come here. I feel confident we could beat them four times in a row if we had to play them. I mean, so he, he's talking about like in the playoffs, right? Yeah. That's what he's, yeah, obviously stating. We and could beat them four times in a row? He's talking about getting out the brooms? Yeah, no, he is, which is very surprising because, I mean, look, you look at tonight's game, and I know Ant only played in that first half, but even in that first half, he was... He was two for 11. He did get to the free throw line. I was going to say, there was the, the pressure was on. I'm not going to act like he was being stopped, but the pressure was on. It was there. You saw that not only it could happen, it ended up being a win for the Sacramento Kings. So to have that confidence... I mean, I guess he should have that confidence, but to say it out loud is interesting. It, I gotta be honest, I think it's very interesting. It's one thing to like feel that way. You want your guys you to have that confidence. You want them to be fired up. I just, you know, I don't know if you say it publicly. Now, in all fairness, he was asked after the game talking about the challenges of defending a team like Sacramento, and here's what he had to say. Um, I mean, Sabonis, he be saying good things, I'll say so. To just like continue to fight through them and then transition. I mean, they like to get out like before we even turn our heads. So we just had a little struggle getting back defensively. So that was one of my favorite things he said. They they were getting out and running. They like to go before we even turn our heads. <laughs> That's a great thing. Oh, here's the exact quote. This is the the audio okay. of him saying that uh, about the Kings. Okay. Like that for you guys? Nah, I really like. I really don't worry about them like when they come here. Like I feel pretty confident we could beat them four times in a row if we had to play them. So we just start this one to the side, really. He feels confident. Oh. You know what's funny? He's not saying he's like doesn't seem like he's talking shit. It sounds like he really feels that confident in it, which is it is surprising because you you lost to them twice this year. Yeah. It's, if anything, I feel confident in this matchup more so. Well, and in two of the games, you your team didn't look like themselves. Like, the, the Kings were the aggressors. You know, the Kings were doing it. Yeah. Just very interesting. Yeah. No, and I'm not acting like it. I mean, it's not crazy to have that level of confidence. I do think team. it's pretty interesting to say after that game. To, to say it publicly. Noted. Is my point. No. It is noted, dude. Hey, Minnesota, I'll say this. You've had a great year. They're 42 and 18. Yeah. They were 42 and 40 last year. They went all 40. Yeah. Just, you know, don't. You haven't done anything quite yet, is my point. And so doing chirping like that, all right, we'll see. 
chirping. He's just he's just confident in in his team. Fine, but but like give a little win. Hey, tonight Kings are gonna love seeing that quote. You know, that that should fire you up a little bit. No, I mean I dig it. I I I especially after like they lose, and that's the quote. That is being put out there. Love it. Noted. They are an interesting team, too. And their defense, when it's engaged and locked in, man, especially in the half court, it is nasty. Gobert's been a menace this year. Um, Ants, I think, taking big-time strides. McDaniels, Alexander Walker plays some good defense. Chris Finch is a great coach. He's a great coach. But you can sense, and I heard a little bit tonight, and we've heard in other games, especially after that game they lost at home to Charlotte when Cat had 60-plus, I think there's frustration at times with kind of their focus offensively where it doesn't feel like they're all connected. Like, guys are kind of looking to get their own thing going, you know? And I think that's a frustrating thing I, and sometimes th- for a coach. I think sometimes, too, when you say, like, getting their own thing going – I see someone like Ant who feels like he has the utmost confidence in his game and what he can create. Or someone like Cat has a big ego and and wants to make sure that he is producing on any team that he would be playing for in the NBA, no matter what his role would be. So, um, but whatever it is, I mean, it's it's been working for them. You know, even if it's their defense leading to some. Good offense. Sure, but I think what Chris Finch's concern is, that's not going to work come playoff time. Like, we have to be connected together. We have to do what's right for the team, not looking out for individual accolades or trying to get things going. we got to play the right way. And, you know, they don't do that consistently enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that's frustrating for them. Yeah, And I'm that, sure that can is. get you in trouble come playoff time. And it can. Man. Um, let's get some more people in the chat. Let's see. Amazing defense at times, says Boos from Minnesota, but their de- their offense does get stuck in the mud. Yeah, it does happen sometimes. Joe Smith says, a sweep? Come on, that's not easy. Stay humble. Um, <laughs> Brett says, he is a weenie. That's a good way to put it. He's a weenie. Uh, that's great stuff. Well, it, it was a big win for Sacramento tonight. I loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. And the, the latest standings for you guys changes, obviously, on the daily. The Kings are in the seventh spot. They're game out of six. Game out of fifth. That's where the Suns are. Dallas, they lost tonight to Boston, who, of course, is just on fire. Boston's won 10 in a row now. Uh, Dallas is in the eighth spot, a half game behind Sacramento. Golden State won again. They won three in a row. And tonight, dude... Talk about a tough thing. Pajemski didn't play. That's not the tough thing. The tough thing is, after playing last night in New York, being the Knicks, they fly into Toronto today. They had plane issues. Didn't land till 7 a.m. Yeah. Got the win. Wiggins is out due to personal reasons. Clay looks like he's kind of turned the corner. Kaminga's playing really well. The defense has been super locked in, especially since Draymond's returned. Well, all of a sudden, they're in ninth, and they are just two games behind the Kings right now. It, they are right where they want to be. <laughs> and then the Lakers damn it. are right there, too, in 10th. They are two games behind Sacramento. So the Lakers are in 10th, and they're three games out of 5th. This is, this is what we talk about. Here we go. 5 through 10, 
lock in. Every single night. It is time. Every single night, make sure you're watching the... I love this. Make sure you're watching the NBA. Well, if you're not, we will be, and we will be keeping you posted on all these games. You got any final thoughts, Morgan? Um, sleepy? Do I seem sleepy? A little bit. It's fine. Really? Yeah. I feel I feel good. I I feel tired, but I feel good. Like, <laughs> I, I'm happy about tonight, and um, I like where everything is at for the Kings. Are you concerned about the Warriors as you go to yes. bed tonight? Oh my God, yes. And that is like I think maybe that's partially on my mind <laughs> as we roll down the podcast. Uh, slow down the podcast. It's uh I was even just thinking in my head, I'm like, you know, you and I when we were watching NBA the other evening and we ended up being like, We gotta talk about Victor Wimbanyama. I think there's a lot of games coming up. We got to make sure that we are going live after some of these NBA nights that we're not working in because there's a lot, going, especially these Western Conference games. So then I, I'm sure everyone out there or a lot of people out there are NBA fans that are watching this, but I think we got to make sure we're doing enough to be pushing all this information out there as well. I agree. And our final thought should be the moment of the game because Manny too legit just brought it up. Oh, what is it? You just said, your moment. You guys didn't do a moment of the game. You reminded us. We need to do a moment of the game tonight. Yeah. And I said, what is it? <sighs> My God. What is the moment of the you game? You just said, they rem- oh, oh, I thought he reminded He's you. He's reminding me to do the moment of the game. I thought he reminded you what the moment of the game was. Someone's ready for bed. You're just a little sleepy. Okay, okay. so honestly, oh. you've been a dick twice now in the last five minutes. What? I just, and I- you did some dick shit on the fucking po- on the show, too. You were being an asshole to me on the show. <laughs> when? <laughs> on the sh- what show? The post game? Um, I think it was a pregame. And you did something, and I even said, I said, this desk is pretty close. I said that on TV. I was like, this desk is pretty close. Cry about oh, it. Oh, because I said, this is what I said. You talked about <laughs> you talked about second chance opportunities or or uh the offensive rebounds for the kings and i was like yeah and those second chance opportunities obviously lead to a second possession you said obviously you said something such a dick like obviously and i was like "Mm, what are we saying (laughs) okay here's my question yeah what when you watch a tv show let's just say this inside the nba and if if Charles said second chance point, you know, that leads to second chance, second chance opportunities lead to the second chance. No, it lead to an extra possession. Leads to an extra second chance. Okay, second chance listen, leads to an extra possession. Ernie, Kenny, or Shaq is calling him out and they're making fun of it. So you know what I did? I did that because everyone's watching at home going, yeah, no shit, Morgan. So like well, all then, I did. Well, then is, what was this? Well, you said you said Morgan's getting sleepy twice in a row. When I thought you said the moment of the game was getting pointed out, like he had the moment, and then you had to be a dick about it. No, I said, oh, he reminded me the moment of the game. We got to do the moment. We haven't done the moment of the game yet. Someone's getting sleepy. Larry says moment of the game. Deuce being a dick. <laughs> uh, Sergio says moment of the game. Deuce commentary tonight. Oh, dude. Yeah, you crush. Uh, no, who cares fun. about that? But seriously, okay, yeah. what's the moment of the game tonight? Um, of all the plays, I mean, I think I think the moments that we're going to remember tonight is Malik Monk's second half. But go ahead. That, but what about the the possession when they pushed it up the floor in transition? I forget who got who got the rebound. Oh, up to Keon Ellis. Oh, oh, he's shushing me. 
It was great. It was a great contest by Sabonis. Yes. Keegan threw it out to Keon Ellis. Keon Ellis lob to Kevin Herter. Did you ever expect me to be talking about a lob to no. Kevin Herter? No. And it was beautiful. And even just goes, did was the ball dribbled? Was did anyone put the ball on the floor in that moment? And I was like, I don't know. It happened so fast. And all I know is that Kevin Herter got the alley oop. And I just I love that everyone was in sync together in transition. Let's hear a G-Man called that play. Conley working on the left side of the floor. Spins the pass to Reed. Drives it aggressively right. Ball deflected by Keegan Murray. It's grabbed by Keon Ellis. Keon races. Sets up the alley-oop. Malik Monk on the delivery. Scores the two. And it's back to a two-possession advantage. That Maybe that was the wrong one. Wasn't it? Maybe that was the wrong one. I was like waiting for us. Like, is, is it going to go longer? Uh, uh, Keon threw an alley-oop to Malik too, I guess. I don't know why I'm not remembering that game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was the highlight. Anyway, you guys remember that play, right? Keon Alleyoop, dribbling. That was the moment. That was the moment. Keon threw an alley oop to Kevin Herter. Am I? I'm not mistaken. You told me it was Keon, and I remember asking you, "Was it Keon?" I just remember it was to Kevin Herter. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Herter only had. I thought it only had one. Yes, obviously. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It just wasn't that highlight. <laughs> that is so great. Shout out to G Man. Shout out to G Man. Oh. You, you want to hear G Man's final call tonight? I wonder how how dramatic sure. it was after that. Or you know what? We should be, just to make up for it. Yeah. We should play a couple of big moments from uh, G Man in this game. How about Malik Monk tying the game okay. at 120? Savonis has fouled out. Fox is not available. He is injured, was injured, and missing his second straight game. Herter on the right angle, on top to Monk. He's open. Three's on the way. He's got the triple. 36 points now for Malik Monk, refusing to cave, to give in. It's now tied at 120 apiece. Minnesota is out of timeouts. Should Trey happen to miss this second one, but I'm saying he's going to make it. Listen to this crowd trying to distract him. The Canadian who grew up in Indianapolis at the line. Second one, good. Cold stone good. 7.4 to go. Kings lead 124-120. Here comes Conley. Have to go the length of the floor. Eludes one defender. He rocks. He fires for three. It's no good, and that's going to be your ball game. The horn sounds, and the Sacramento Kings, without De'Aaron Fox, have come in to Minnesota, and they, for a second time in this building this year, have defeated the Timberwolves. Only the 18th loss of the season for Minnesota, only their seventh loss on the home floor. Two of them have come to the Kings, who win the season series two games to one. What a night for Malik Monk, who ends up scoring 39 points. Gee, man's a legend. He's an icon. You know what else was uh, noticed during the game? When the game was going to overtime, a lot of the fans were leaving. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't notice that. I, well, I heard Kyle and Katie talking about it, and they were in there, and they were like, and even Kyle was like, do you think it's public transit ends at a certain time? Because he was so confused. He was like, wow. he was like, maybe like it ends, and they like people have to get home. I don't know. Because I even know for us, 
We were supposed to start this podcast hopefully at 9.30, but it was a long game. Wait, there's no crying there. I was just, I was just saying, like it I'm was talking a, about some Minnesota fans. Gonna well, go that home? yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I do think we should do one more thing. How about Keegan Murray with G Man? Sure. Let's hear what Keegan Murray had to say with G Man. Keegan Murray has just slipped on a headset down below us, and Keegs, <laughs> I know you don't express a lot of visible emotion. What's churning around inside your bones right now? Uh, I think it was just a gutsy win. Uh, obviously, we're down. Uh, Fox, and uh, we just needed to put a game together. I felt like we competed all four quarters, and that's what you have to do in this league, so it was a good win. This game ended up having 25 lead changes, and there were so many opportunities for each of these clubs to get a little separation and, and make it stand up. But the Kings tonight, I don't have a number on steals, deflections, etc. but how important was this defensive stance tonight, and how similar was it to the win in L.A. against the Clippers a week ago? Uh, I mean, we just had to be the aggressor on defense. I feel like the last two games, um, we're kind of on our heels um, defensively. So uh, when we're the aggressors, I feel like uh, we're one of the best teams in this league, and um, that shows being beating uh, the best team in the West. In talking about the defensive intensity and the effort, I know that there was a, an extremely long video session yesterday before flying to Minnesota. How, how significant do you think that was in determining the style of play and the outcome tonight? Uh, I think the biggest thing was we just talked as players. Um, everyone spoke up. Uh, we all talked about what we needed to do different, um, what we've had success in the past and things like that. And uh, we're all bought in. So um, regardless of, of our bad losses the last couple of games, um, we, we're all bought in right now. That's certainly welcome news to hear. How about your pal Malik Monk tonight? Yeah, he was great. Um, he just kept being aggressive. I think he started out the game a little cold, but you know him. He's, he's always going to be aggressive, always be confident. When he missed those two free throws, my stomach did a little double flip. I don't know about you and your teammates, but uh, that was then it was Trey misses the first one of a pair and the nerves were really on edge, but you found a way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have to not everything's going to be perfect, so uh, we found a way to win and that's all that matters. Keegan, thank you so much for the insights once again. Yep, take care. <laughs> I love that. There's Keegan Murray Yo, with the G-Man. Two Awesome personalities. Um, I, I loved what Keegan said about the, the players only thing. I mean, they're very open about this. Like, yeah, no, we, we had some things to talk about. Because I don't think it was, it, it wasn't meant for like, we have issues. We have to have a players, players only meeting. It was, hey, like, we, we got to figure this out. So let's come together and do something that is productive. And what's productive is communicating the right way. And sometimes it's communicating the right way with the people you're battling out there with. I think March 1st could be an important day when we look back at things of this season. Happy birthday, Chris Weber. Happy 51st birthday, Chris Weber. Hi, guy. The legend. All right. You're trying to do a smile. That's yeah. not great. Um, but seriously. Why? Remember this date. Okay. This could be the TP, the turning point. I was going to actually say that. What do you think? Can I wait and see? If we get to the end of the season, the Kings are in the fifth spot because they had an awesome stretch at home then to end the season. March 1st is a holiday. This is the turning point. <laughs> this was the, the moment it turned. The Kings don't lose again, <laughs> ever. Chris Weber's birthday forever will yes. be the turning point. Amazing. But this was in a leap year, but still. 
man. So fun. Well, it was so much hanging out, fun hanging out with you guys tonight. Somebody tired. Dude, I, do you understand? I know when you're ready to rap. I, I can, I sense it. It's not often this year. It hasn't happened, but you're, you're feeling it a little bit. It's been a busy stretch and I could tell. And so I asked you about it. Okay. And then when I said the moment of the game. Teammate, the, teammate. This is what, don't, it's don't, a, you don't hold, put that so, on your team. Hold on, hold on. You guys, I'm going to turn down the mics. Turn down the mics for a second. Yeah. Podcast only meeting. Yeah. Okay? No, I have to this, call you out on your shit sometimes. Okay. And you're being a little tired. No, so I'm so time. glad that we can have a podcast only meeting and that no one's listening right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I can tell you that you blaming me publicly and saying that I'm tired when I'm not. And just because maybe my makeup was done shitty tonight is kind of bullshit. You have bags under your eyes that I think everyone, we got to wrap this up. You're one of the ugliest people inside and out that I've ever met. Look, I'm trying to make this productive. I'm just looking out for you. You Same. And so I just hope that you hold yourself accountable and realize your issues. We got to wrap this up so we can end the show so they can hear 100 because, because you're tired, right? I'm not. I'm gonna turn the mics back up. Wait, but I can. I can. We're back. Hi. Sorry about that, guys. We just had to talk real fast. Hopefully, you guys don't mind that at all. Seriously, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us so much. Make sure to hit the thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribed. Also, do us a favor after the show. If you're on YouTube, comment in the comments. It just helps us grow. We want to keep growing. We're gonna do Kings and NBA content all the time. We appreciate you guys so much. We love you guys. Yeah. But we. Guts to go. We saw all your comments throughout the night. Thank you guys so much. Rest in peace, John. Sending so much love to him and or his family and friends. So thank you all for being here. See ya. Deuce and mo, deuce and mo, deuce and mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and mo, deuce and mo, deuce and mo. The podcast that you know.